Hello, and welcome to the family at World Harvest Outreach. Uh, it was supposed to be Ben's turn to talk today, but when I had mentioned that I was going to talk on uh, like the third installment of faith, I did two messages on faith. This is going to be our third one, and I wanted to talk about how wisdom and faith are paired together. He suggested, why don't we just go ahead and knock that one out now? I don't know if Ben's just ready for this to get over with, or if you really did want to hear <laughs> the third one. Anyway, so I want to talk about how faith, and I want to review some things about faith, because, look, I want to say this right from the beginning. I care deeply about you. I want you to know that. And I hope you believe that. Because sometimes some guy with a microphone will just say that, and you're like, oh, whatever, you don't really know me. You know, can I tell you, you don't have to know someone to care deeply about them. That's a fallacy. <clears throat> you can care deeply because you care. And then when you start caring about people, you realize how much there is to care about. But if you're not a caring person to begin with, it's going to be really fine to, hard to find value to care about in people. So just choose to care about people. But I need you to know today that I do care deeply for you. And that's why I'm talking to you about this. Like these messages that I bring, that I talk to you about, like these aren't just things that I want to talk about. I believe that if you walk in some of this, just some of it, you will walk in everything God created for you. I believe it. Like I do believe that you were created to walk in true glory. That's why the Bible says that Christ in you is what? The, say hope. Hope. And remember what the definition of faith is. Can I remember? The assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not yet seen. I believe, I can't think of a better definition of what Christ is in us than the assurance, the conviction, the absolute yes that what's inside of you was meant to come out of you. And there's so many things that have yet to come. Like we were singing about that today. That's why I actually asked the team to sing that song today, I Am No Victim, because of so many of the words in there that for me speak to the faith God has in us. So when he says, Jesus says this in the New Testament. He says, greater things shall you do, right? So it's actually not good enough for us to just copy the things that Jesus did. Oh, that's actually kind of easy. Jesus is like, no, 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 actually, I'm going to live in you. So all the things I didn't do while I was human, I will then do through you as a human. Hello? Isn't that incredible? There are things that we didn't see Jesus do or hear Jesus say that we were intended to do and say. Yes. Wow. I love it. And so that's what faith is for me. Faith is all the things that Jesus didn't do on earth as a human being that he then lives through us to do in the earth. And I think the fullness of the heavenly realm, the kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. That's how it happens through this. Okay? So quick review. Faith, the assurance of, this is all from Hebrews 11.1, 1, okay? Hebrews 11.1 1 gives us that definition of faith. It's the assurance of things hoped for. It's the conviction of things not seen. We took a lot of time to uh, dissect what assurance and conviction was. You can go back, listen to the first message. At the end of last week when I talked, I talked about how 
And I, it, it was kind of silly, and I felt silly doing it. But you know how when you strike a match, like friction happens, right? And that friction creates a spark. And then if you put the right fuel with that spark, it creates a, a fire, a flame, right? And so I kind of made this strange, like when you take a step, like that friction, some of us have more friction than others, right? When we, <laughs> like it creates friction and that heat is the spark that creates multiplication. I believe faith is the spark that creates the multiplication from our lives. So we kind of, and I, I, I rushed through this because I was near the end of the message, but this is how I want to say about faith. God in us, okay? Remember, Christ in us, the hope of glory, okay? Paul tells us, tells us that. So God in you, which is the assurance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Do we believe as a group that we have the indwelling of God? Yes. He dwells where? And you are the temple of God, right? Or the tabernacle of God or the dwelling place of God. He lives where? One more time. In us. I believe he lives both individually and corporately inside of us at the same time. Are we all on the same page? Somewhat, some way? You know, I even believe other religions call it all kinds of stuff, call it energy, call it whatever else. Honestly, they're just groping in the dark for the same thing that we know. God in us is the hope of everything God ever wanted on the planet. You guys good? Okay, so in us is God, and he comes in the form of, what are some of those things that you would say, like describe what or who God is in you? Just come up with it. In you. Goodness. Joy. Joy. What's that? Laughter. Yeah, some people, some people need to release some of that. Creativity. Compassion, creativity, passion, what? Selfless. Okay, selfless. All of those are like pieces or parts of the fullness of who he is. And I think it's pretty cool how when you guys are bringing those up, those are probably things on the inside of you that are already manifesting. Hello? Yeah. So what happens is you know he's in there because you guys told me this, right? I'm going with what you told me. You told me that you know God is on the inside of you. He comes in all those. I also believe he can come in the form of a vision. How many people have a vision on the inside of you? A vision, by definition, is something that you see but doesn't necessarily exist yet. Any of you that have children, before you had children, did you ever have a vision of what your children might be like? Or anything you've ever built. Anybody ever built something? Or even like something as simple as like painted the room. Did you see it the color it was before you painted it? Of course you did. You bought samples. Some of you paint five and six different samples on the wall before you decide. Anybody? That's a small picture of what the whole picture is going to look like. That's vision and that's on the inside of you. And if you trust that was given to you by the Lord and it's not just some weird fantasy that you just came up with on your own. You apply faith to that. Are you with me? If you apply an assurance and a conviction that what you see on the inside of you could be a reality, 
That's that spark. Faith is the spark that brings what you see, what you feel, what you believe that God put on the inside of you, and you turn it from just a prophetic vision into a prophetic reality. I talked about this last week. I think the most prophetic people on the earth are not those who walk around saying, thus saith the Lord. The most prophetic people on the earth who are, are the people who are living in what we will all eventually be living in. They are creating a lifestyle, a house, if you will, that we will all eventually live in. Right now, they're considered strange. Uh, Hebrews talks about like they were considered aliens, strangers. You guys remember that from Hebrews chapter 11? All of these guys were just like, man, they're, they're, they're weird. But they were, can we go back to those verses? Because I just think that's powerful. I don't think I told you, Karis, to go to these verses, but we're going to go there anyway. Hebrews eleven thirteen. These people that were strangers and aliens, these people that were, and we're talking about Abram, we're talking about Moses, we're talking about some of these people that you are consider heroes of your faith. All of these died in faith without receiving the promises. That means that the vision on the inside of them didn't become a reality in their lifetime. And the question I want to say to you is, did they fail? No, no way. And here's the thing that I think we need to remember, that just because you die a natural death does not mean you're dead. Amen. Amen. Like, what's the whole point of this if we think that once we're dead, we're done? They died where? I want you guys to stretch your minds a little bit today. I want you to actually think, I wonder if Mark's preaching the gospel for a second. Because I want you to realize that these people died in faith. They literally saw themselves as seeds that were dying so that a harvest would come forth from them, even in their own death. They died in faith. Keep going. Without receiving the promises, but they what? They saw them. They saw them. They saw that God on the inside of them. They saw that vision on the inside of them. They had a dream. They had a hope. And it was on the inside of them. And they died with it still in there. And so many of us would say, oh, almost, Chris. Almost, Abram. You almost did it. You almost saw the promised land, Moses. You guys remember, right, Moses? Died. Remember where he died? Anybody remember? He died on a mountain. And how, what could you see from the mountain? You could see the promised land from the mountain and Moses died on that mountain. Did he fail? No way. A whole people walked into the promised land because he got them close enough to see it. Fathers, mothers, grandfathers, grandmothers, please at least sow the seed of vision in your children and in your grandchildren so that when you die, the seed is already there. Come on. Mm having seen them and having welcomed them from a distance. That means they didn't get there, but they saw it coming. And having confessed that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. If true prophetic people are weird, strange exiles because what they're doing is they're living in their hope. They're living in things not yet seen. And it's weird because the rest of the world is living in what already exists. 
But then there's those peculiar people, those strange people that are like, this is good, but there's more. Right. Keep going. For those who say such things make it clear that they're seeking a country of their own. In other, words, in other words, they know that there's something on the inside of them. Like Ben said today, if I go through this process, I know no one understands what I'm going through right now. No one really, no, they, they're giving me all the reasons why I shouldn't even be going through this process, but I have to go through this thing because of what I see. It's the reason why Jesus is on the cross and so many of his disciples and anyone else that even were having an inkling of faith in him were like, what is he doing? Hello? Like he's hanging there and they're like, what is he doing? But we find out later that the Hebrews writer said, for the joy he endured the cross. There are things right now that Ben just prayed for you that you would endure because there is a hope coming. Come on. That is faith. That is faith that you're willing to endure. Now, some of you are enduring just your own silliness. There's a difference. Hello? I pray that you have wisdom by the end of this message <laughs> to know if you're enduring your own wisdom, your own foolishness, or if you're enduring because of the hope set before you. And there is a difference. 15. And indeed, if they had been thinking of that country from which they went out, they would have not, they would have had opportunity to return. People of faith do, are not distracted by what's around them and all of the bounty and all of the goodness and just say to themselves, this is good enough. People of faith, they don't say that. People of faith say, you know what? This is good, but I know that my children or even myself, but my children or my children's children can have better step. And that friction, remember? Light the flame. Next one. But as it is, they desire a better country, that thing on the inside of them that they know can exist. It's a heavenly one. It's a heavenly desire, a heavenly vision, a heavenly dream. I know this can be a reality. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. And here's the question I was asking myself as I read that. Where is that city that he prepared for them? Be careful how you answer that question. Because fundamental Christianity will give you the streets of gold, cannot wait, hello, up in heaven, I'm going to die and I'm going to enjoy that up there. That's the city God has prepared for all of those folks. I struggle with that mindset because it, what that, it gives you the mindset of I'm just going to hang on until I get there and I escape this whatever, okay? I don't believe that's the way these people were thinking. Don't forget the context is the great heroes of faith. It's the Abrams and Joshua's and Moses of the, and the Deborah's and all of that. I actually think that they're talking about the city that was buried on the inside of them that had... What was that? Did you guys hear that? Okay, Jesus. Maybe he's building a city right above our heads. It's buried on the inside of them. Right now, close your eyes just for a moment. Would you do that? There is a city prepared, a country. 
There are things on the inside of you God has prepared spiritually that you are designed by his spirit to build naturally. And it's only by faith that what you see, what you think about, what you believe about the future can come to pass. It's only by faith. It's a city God has prepared. And it says, for them, though they died in faith. Okay, open your eyes. We do know that, just before this, it says that we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. That means that they are a part of what we're still doing. I believe that with my whole heart. So if any of you have loved ones who have passed on, I want to encourage you one more time. They are still with us in this incredible, ongoing journey of making the city of God a reality on the earth. Amen? That should bring you some hope. All right. So faith is the spark of life that brings all multiplication. That's where we ended last week. God in you, plus your faith to believe and act on it, is the multiplication that we're looking for in the earth. So now I want to move on. That was review. Now I want to go forward. I want to talk about how faith without wisdom is going to lead us down some roads that aren't healthy for us. Okay? I think faith and wisdom were meant to be married. Husband and wife. They're joined together because faith requires wisdom. So I want to go back to something that I think it was last January we did a series on wisdom, if you guys remember it. And wisdom was three F's. Oh boy, I want to see if anybody remembers what the three F's of wisdom are. Wisdom is foundational. Wisdom is forward. Wisdom is forever. Good job, everybody. Or all three of you. Wisdom is foundational. If you guys remember when we talked about foundational, wisdom does not fix. I've had this many times. Guys, any of you have a child come to you and something, like especially like a toy that was bought at Dollar Tree? Do you ever get a toy from Dollar Tree and it breaks and your kid's convinced that you can fix it? Dollar Tree toys were never meant to be fixed. You can't fix that, okay? Wisdom says, I'm going to get you a new toy. And I'm not going to go to Dollar Tree to get it. Wisdom is the exact same way. We oftentimes will come to God with this incredible mess. And we'll just come to him and we'll say, God, look, I don't know what to do. I'm asking you for wisdom to fix this. And, and true wisdom is going to come and he's going to say, let it die. And that's a hard one for a lot of us because we believe that God can fix anything. Hello? He's all powerful. He can do this. He can fix this thing that I've screwed up or someone else screwed up. And he's like, you know what I'd rather do? I'd rather start fresh. I'd rather start new. We can do this with any area of our lives. We can ask for wisdom, but what wisdom is not going to do, he's not going to come in and try to solve what's already going on. True wisdom goes back down to the rock, which is foundational, and says, I'm going to start there. A wise man goes all the way down 
Remember? And it says he builds his house where? On the rock. Okay? That's what wisdom does. Wisdom digs. It doesn't start with the sand that's on the surface. Nope. It starts spreading it all the way. Goes down, goes down, goes down to the rock. That rock is on the inside of every one of us. His name is Jesus. Good job. He's there. That wisdom, that wisdom to not try to figure out what to do with what we've already messed up, but instead say, you know what? Sometimes it's really good to let things die. Unless a seed falls in the ground and dies, it cannot bring forth a harvest. Some of your really good attempts should die. See, we believe that faith is, nope, I'm just going to keep pushing through. Sometimes, and that's why I feel like wisdom needs to come alongside of faith. And while you're pushing and you're just keep creating friction with all those steps, sometimes wisdom's going to come and say, whoa, 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 whoa. Come back here. I want to show you where you went off. Come back right here. I can't go backwards. Wisdom is... <laughs> Wisdom will always take you back to the rock so that you can go forward with strength. Hello? I hope you heard that. Wisdom will always go back to the rock so you can move forward with strength. Sometimes the wisest people in the world, when you look at them, they're going backwards. How many people know that silly analogy? It works every single time when you pull back the bow. Yeah. Right? At first, when you pull back, everything, it hurts. And then you hold it there. How many people held a bow back in that position? It hurts. You're like, but man, when you let go, that thing flies. Wisdom is like that. Wisdom is like that. Okay. So, wisdom is foundational. Wisdom is forward. Really quick, Philippians chapter 3. I'm doing some quick review we're just reviewing what wisdom is. Verse 12. Not that I have already obtained it or have already become perfect, but I press on. Does that sound like faith? I press on so that I may lay hold of that for which Jesus or which also I was laid hold of by Christ Jesus. This, for me, is one of the greatest statements of faith I see in Scripture. This is a guy who had a lot. If you think about who wrote this, this is Paul. He had a lot, and he realized that everything around him, remember it says in this same context, he says, everything I've gained is consider it nothing. He actually said consider it rubbish or trash for the glory of that God put on the inside of me. This is what he's saying. I may lay hold of that for which I was also laid hold of by Christ Jesus. That's on the inside of you, waiting to come forth by faith. Next verse. Brethren, I do not regard myself as laying, having laid hold of it yet, but one thing I do, I forget what lies behind. I forget this country all around me and everything I've built, and I... No matter how successful I am, no matter how many great things I've done, I will always start fresh again because there's more. I reach forward to what lies ahead. Keep going. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ, in Christ Jesus. I love this idea. Just leave it up here. It's a prize. There's a prize and when we think of prize, we think of something that's going to be given to us if we do well. 
I, I don't see that there. I actually see that the goal is the prize. And the goal is what's inside of you that you're assured of. Hello? You're assured that there's something on the inside of you that doesn't exist yet. That's the prize. That's the country. That's the city that the Bible is talking about. And it's this upward call in Christ Jesus. He's calling us up. He's calling us forward. Wisdom is forward. And then finally, I'm just reviewing what wisdom is for us. Wisdom is forever. Okay? What I love about the term forever, when we usually think of the term forever, we think of some time, right? The term, if you actually look up the root word for the word forever, it means spans time. This is a really cool thing about forever. If you access forever, you're going to have to get a little fantasy with me, okay? You have to get a little spiritual with me here. When you step out of time, and you step into the realm of eternity or into the realm of forever, not only can you reach forward and bring forward into now, you can also reach back and bring things that were said, things that were done, ancient things, and bring them here. How are we doing? Great. Are you good? You want to say something? Or? Okay, good. <laughs> I was like, I don't know if he's going to get on the case or what he's going to do. Yes! God said something? The God of yesterday. Today and forever. Yes. Right on, man. So wisdom in now. What's today's date? October 22nd, 2023. I can access wisdom from any moment in time. Hello? And you can take that wisdom and it applies to right now. Mm. I don't know if you're feeling that or not. This is the way true wisdom works. If you have an older man or an older woman who's in your life and they come to you, there's a difference between them giving you their experience and them giving you wisdom. Their experience relates to them. Their wisdom relates to you and where you are. In fact, you'll know the difference between experience and wisdom because that wisdom can apply to other situations, can apply to other seasons of time. But the experience usually only applies to that. So sometimes inside of a person's experience is a seed of wisdom. Be careful and be wise to pull out the seed and not build your life on the experience. How are we doing? Because then you have a tendency to live by the copy. Remember how we talked about if you don't live by faith, then you shrink back and you end up just copying what someone else has already done. But inside of that experience is a nugget of wisdom. Pull it out, put it in, live. Hello? That's the beauty of true wisdom. True wisdom is you can go back to a book written thousands of years ago and pull out wisdom for October 22nd, 2023. Bam! Are you good? Wisdom supersedes time. Wisdom supersedes circumstances. This is one of the reasons why I've often told people, please don't go to somebody else who's struggling just like you to find out how to get out of the struggle. But we do this all the time. Oh, I need to go find someone who can empathize with me because they're going through the same thing as them. Are they going to help you? No, but empathy sometimes is, okay, I just needed a little empathy to keep going. That's good. But if you're going for wisdom, wrong source. Yeah. 
Hello? Don't go to someone else drowning in the same water as you and expect them to give you the way out. Instead, go to someone who got on the boat. How did you, in fact, better, someone who's on the land. Okay? Someone who took the boat to land and said, it's better to build a house here than out there. Anybody? That's wisdom. I hope you're seeing this. Mm. Okay. So faith and wisdom work together. So if you see this already, there's some really powerful correlations here. I want to do James chapter 1. Ben, are you ready? I'm ready. All right. So this is one place in the scriptures where wisdom and faith are actually talked about together. Ben, what verses do you have ready? You ready to go? Yeah. So just pull up James 1, verse 5, and then grab a microphone, Ben. I knew Ben was going to get it on today somehow. Now? Okay. Guys, I don't have my glasses, my reading glasses, so I'm going I'm to put a large print Bible into my Amazon. <laughs> it's, it's getting bad. Okay, so I want to show, show us how we quickly lose context in reading the scriptures to apply to us what I want instead of what the scriptures are trying to tell us, okay? So I think you brought this, this verse to us last week, but if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God. What's the context right now? What's the context of the ask? Okay, so the context is wisdom, right? Wisdom is the context of what we're asking. I'm asking for wisdom. Who gives to all generously without reproach, and it will be given to him. I want to show you how quickly we lose context, and we start to think about all the things that I want instead of what the context of the verse is. Okay, but if any of you lacks wisdom, what's the context? Wisdom. And this is how I read it, because I get self-centered, is let him ask of God who gives all generously. And I'm missing a very important word there. It's gives to all generously. What is he giving to all generously? Wisdom. Oh, so I'm not going to get everything I want. I'm not going to get everything I want. I'm going to show you in the next, in verse 7, why, where it says that. So we go, and if you're asking for wisdom, God is not looking to turn you away. He's not looking to turn you away without reproach. He's like, finally, they're asking for wisdom instead of asking for the thing that you're looking for. So, so many times I go to God and foolishly just ask for the thing that I want. And I'm like, yeah, I want this and this and this. And God's like, is that wise? Maybe you should be asking for wisdom. And I'm like, no, I want this. And he reproaches me when I ask for things outside of wisdom, but he never reproaches me when I ask for wisdom. Okay, Mark, I'm, I, I fear that you gave me the mic and that may have been a bad decision. Okay. Can I go back really quick to the Old Testament? What did Solomon ask for? Wrong. Ha oh, Solomon did not ask for wisdom. He asked for an understanding heart so that I may rule wisely, justly, okay? And then God said, that's pretty wise. 
That's pretty wise, so he gave him all wisdom. Okay, now, and it will be given to him. What will be given? What? Wisdom. Let's move on. Six. But he must ask in faith without any doubting. This is the hard part. Because if we lose context of, chapter, of, of verse 5, we then are already off course for verse 6. Because I say, if I ask in all faith without doubting, for the one who doubts is like the surf of the sea driven, tossed by, um, tossed by the wind. So what happens to me is I go asking for God to God the thing that I want, and I say, I'm not going to doubt. He's going to give me the thing that I want. So I ask, I ask, I ask, in what I think is faith. But he's not asking me to do that. He's asking me to ask for, okay, so the thing that I should never doubt is that he has wisdom to depart to me, depart, impart, sorry, to impart to me. So the faith, where I have faith is that I will manifest wisdom. I, ha I haven't manifest wisdom. So I have faith I'm going to manifest wisdom. I haven't seen that before, all right? I know I can do it but I haven't seen it before. That's, what you're, that's where the faith is. Like, but the, the other faith, like the embedded, like grounded foundational strength is that he has all wisdom to impart to me. So I have faith in who has it all that he will impart to me what I have not manifested yet. Am I, are you following me? Great. So stop asking for everything that you want in life and start asking for the one who has all Wisdom to impart wisdom into you. Now, here is God's like trick, because he kind of tricks you into this. More times than not, if I go and ask for wisdom, instead of the thing I'm asking for, in wisdom, I realize that it's not wise for me to ask for the thing that I'm asking for. Although, sometimes he's going to be like, that's very wise, let's do this, or hey, you know what, you want wisdom to manifest, and he will then reveal to you, yes. And more times than not, it's because I'm just not ready. Like I said before, I haven't gone through the process of solidifying myself to maintain the thing that's to come. I hope I'm making sense. Okay, so I ask God for wisdom, and God's like, okay, here's wisdom. And through that wisdom, I realize I need to abandon asking for that thing over there because it is not what, that is not the hope of glory. That's not the better thing. That's not, the, that's not any of that. It's just something I want. It's just something I want. Yeah. Okay. So the thing you should never be doubting is that God has all wisdom. Because if you doubt that God has all wisdom, then you are subject to a lesser form of wisdom than you actually can have access to. Does that make sense? So I have to, I have to know. I have to know that he has all wisdom. Okay, now, just verse 7. And this kind of ties it up. For, for that man ought to not expect that he would receive from the Lord, anything from the Lord. Okay. Right there, the Lord's just reminding you, hey, no's a possibility. 
Do you ever consider that no could be a possibility in the thing that you're asking? No? What are you talking about? I've never considered no. I go, actually, and this is my problem. I walk into every question like it's going to be, yes, give me everything that I want. And he may, you want to know, and the problem is, he may know what's best, but I know that the yes that I am looking for is the best thing for me. And he's like, hmm. So, for that man ought to not expect that he will receive anything. So he's trying to stop you from asking for that thing and get you back to focusing on what's the context and what's the context? Wisdom. Which he gives generously and without reproach. So if I'm focusing on that thing I, I want, the no is going to be there. But if I'm focusing on wisdom, is it going to be yes? Yes. It's always yes. Because he gives generously and without reproach. So we have to change our perspective and get it off of us. Right? He's not looking to give you everything that you want. Sorry, this isn't the prosperity gospel that you're probably looking for. Like, you're going to be rich. and that, No. What you are going to experience is the wisdom that comes from the one who has all wisdom. Okay? More. I want to... Oh, you had glasses right there. I even did that, but that was okay. So I told you I care about you, right? Yeah. You believe that, right? Yeah. So let me, I'm going to give you a personal example of this, and I'm going to be a bit transparent only because I feel like it's very applicable to not only our current circumstances here, but also to, this, to the message. Uh, so since the second uh, sales contract for this building went, you guys know that, right? And then we had a third one come, and it's, uh, we're looking at that right now. We've had two different parties come to us, and I'm just going to tell you exactly how it came to us. We think the Lord wants us to buy this building. Two different parties. Uh, one was for a church, and one was for like a church and like a school of ministry, okay? And I, it's really important that you all know that we take all of that seriously. Like we don't want, we don't just blow that stuff off, especially if someone says, we feel like the Lord said. Because, you know, I've heard a lot of people say that and it wasn't the Lord. But then there's also been some people that have said that and I didn't think it was the Lord and it ended up being the Lord. So I've become super like reverent about people's faith. And I think it's probably a good posture of heart to always be reverent about someone else's faith. Even if it's not the Lord. If you can encourage them in their faith, it'll guide them toward asking for wisdom, okay? So in both of these cases, and again, this is in that context of I really care about you, in both of these cases, I realized that if I wasn't going to be that voice of wisdom, voice of wisdom for them, that I was concerned about what this opportunity could do to them. Because there are things that Ben was just talking about that we will ask the Lord for, that we are absolutely convinced is ours. And the wisdom of God is better to be asked for than the thing, right? That, that what just, basically, that's what Ben just said. Ask for wisdom, not the thing. So as, is, as we're asking for wisdom, and <clears throat> I felt like when they heard that the second contract didn't go through, it was almost like the Lord was like... Okay, that means it's ours. 
Have you ever had those kind of moments where you're just like, if this thing doesn't happen, it's the fleece thing, you know? All right? Okay. And I have a feeling that both of these people kind of saw it as that little bit of like an opportunity. And so as both of these, and these offers, both of these offers, they weren't real offers. They were just like, we think the Lord said, which by the way, is not an offer. In case you're wondering, okay? I immediately went into the future as a dad. I went into the future and I saw, I could weep right now, because I saw the pain of what this property would do to them. It would crush them. Because it's one thing, you know, you know and I've even heard this, like, well, this is what we're going to do to get the building. And I think it's entirely possible that people could come through in the name of faith and provide enough finances to somehow for them to secure the building. But I'm also far enough along that I also know that just getting something doesn't qualify you to handle the something. Because there is an incredible cost to carry. There's one cost to get. Then there's another ongoing cost to carry. And most people only think about the cost to get. And then immediately, this weight falls on your shoulders. And I have been in this position, and it is a painful position to be in. You're all excited because you got what you had faith for, but then you realize, I need a whole lot more faith because there's a long journey, and this thing is heavy. And I, in my, and I, I'm just going to call it wisdom because I believe that's what I'm walking in. I looked into the future with wisdom and I saw that this would literally destroy. And so I'm having to tell them like, this isn't yours. And I feel bad about that because it almost, as you back up into the, we haven't even gotten it part yet. It looks like we are like squashing someone's faith. You ever been there? Like someone comes to you and says this and then something in your heart like you have to know, you have to have wisdom to know if you should be an encourager of someone's faith or a, come here, let's talk, okay? Because sometimes your wisdom isn't wisdom. Sometimes it's fear. Sometimes it's your own past failure wanting to make sure someone else doesn't do your failure or succeed where you failed. Ooh, that'll hit you in the face. But in both of these cases, like, guys, like, I don't know if you know, but like, there are 11 or 12, I'm just going to give you really something simple here, HVAC units on this roof. Anybody ever noticed them before? Most of you probably have never noticed them. A few of you have. Guess how much one costs to replace? Just throw out a number. 15, 12, 5, 10. $34,000 per unit. Times 11. <laughs> that includes labor. That includes labor. That's a carrying cost that's not even involved in the getting cost. And by the way, in case you were wondering, they all need replaced. There might only be two that might last a couple more years. And these are things that the faith to get season is not even thinking about because you're so caught up in the getting that you don't realize that there's a whole other set 
of costs. And there's, a, there's an incredible parable that Jesus buries right inside of his, he's giving in Luke 14 this talk about discipleship. And he's talking about how, take up your cross. If you can't take up your cross, you won't be able to follow me. And then right after he says that, he gives like almost like this disconnected analogy of you don't want to be the guy who buys a building before he, anybody remember, counts the costs. There's another parable that comes right after, and I don't know why it's escaping me. Go to Luke 14 really quick. I want you to see it. Did I tell you about that one, Karis? Are you okay if I just take a little time here? I, I want to be a dad right now. Luke 14. Luke 14. Yeah. Verse 28. For which one of you, yeah, when he builds a tower, does not first sit down and calculate the cost to see if he has enough to? See, it's not just good enough to start. And sometimes in the name of faith, in the name of belief, in the name of the zeal of the Lord shall perform this. You got all these scriptures backing you up, but you're not thinking about the completion of the thing. And Jesus is applying wisdom. This is the same Jesus who said, ask anything in my name and it shall be done for you. That's why, man, please don't cherry pick scriptures. You know what I mean by cherry pick, right? Like, let's go find the one that applies for me today. That is not wisdom. Hello? We've all done it. We're just going to open up the Bible today and he's just going to speak to me. Anybody ever done that one? That's always a fun one. I really need a word today. Oh, bam. <laughs> Judas went out and hung himself. Nope, that's not the one. <laughs> and then we'll do another one. <laughs> Go and do likewise. No, no, no. Okay. Have you ever heard that before? That's a, that's a preacher joke. Anyway. So you got to look at the scriptures in context and you need to look at Jesus' message in context. And the same Jesus who says, just ask and I'll give it to you, also says, hey, when you're asking, make sure you're asking for wisdom. Because I want, I want to make sure that what you're about to get, you can carry all the way to finish. So here's the next one. Otherwise he has laid a foundation and is not able to finish. All who observe it will begin to ridicule him, saying, this man began but was not able to finish. When I, I, I can feel it so strong on me. When I heard, like, it, do you ever have a moment where someone says something to you, it takes you to another place, and you can live like years in a second? Has anybody ever been there? Like, I lived years in a second when they asked me. And I saw down the road, and this one particular guy, I actually said this to him on the phone. I said, man, I never want you preaching to pay the mortgage. Ever. I don't want you to hope that the offering is enough to cover the light bill. Ever. Because that's not the motivation ever to do ministry. And this thing is big, and it is heavy. And I just felt all of that. And I'm like, dude, I don't want you to be in a situation. Yeah, I just duded him. I don't want you to be in a situation where you're like, yeah, we're in here. And then I got to do this in the name of, I got to pay the bill. I got to make sure this is done. Because it becomes an awful slavery that you feel like you can never get out of. You guys with me? All right, next one. Or, verse 31, what king 
when he, here it is, when he sets out to meet another king in battle, will not first sit down and consider whether he's strong enough with 10,000 men to encounter the one coming against him with 20,000. And if you know, you know what, I think I'm going to get beat here. Hey, can we meet in the middle and can we talk about a treaty? And that's exactly how I felt. I felt like with both of these folks, I believe that the Lord gave them a vision. I believe the vision was faith. But if they apply wisdom to it, they'll realize that maybe there's a step in between where they are and something like this. It doesn't mean this isn't could, this or something like this couldn't be the vision, but there are also steps in the process. And some of those steps in the process are what get you to the point where you can hold something like this. Are you with me? And I think there's times where we, we despise the day of small beginnings. Because we think, oh, I shouldn't be here. I should be. Anybody? Yeah. And you struggle with that, and you almost feel like, not guilty, but like, you're self-condemning. Like, I should be so much farther. Has anybody ever felt that way? I should be so much farther. I should be so much more. And I think what Ben did today in the middle of worship was so beautiful. Guys, it's very possible that there's an incredible things on the inside of you that you will one day walk in and you'll carry it. But right now, do this thing well. And then when you take the step, whatever that next step is, do that thing well, finish it. And before long, you're going to carry really big, important things. Yeah. Um, Go ahead, grab my... Like what, what's the classic story of someone getting some, something before they were ready? classic parable prodigal. is the prodigal son, right? Was the inheritance his? It was his the whole time. What happened when he, when he asked for it and received it and demanded it before he was actually ready to carry it? He squandered it all, all right? So, and, and the funny thing is, he gets it, he hangs out with his father for three days, and then he leaves. For the three days that he's hanging out with his dad in the presence of his father, the inheritance goes no, and nowhere, right? Because he has that foundation, the second he, he walks away, the second he like moves away in arrogance, I got this thing, he lost it. So it, when we say consider the cost, one of the costs is, like, or, or one of the things to consider is am, am I ready? Am I ready? And honestly, we, we, we give this example all the time. Do, do you know why most lotto winners lose their entire fortune within a couple of years of winning it? Well, because they spend it all because they are not ready to make, like, all of a sudden I got all this wealth. I have no idea what to do. I never had this. I start buying things. Out of, like, it, this is just simple wisdom is to understand where you are in the process and what you're able to carry in that time. Any other thoughts or comments before I continue? Are you guys okay if I continue? I know I've been going a little while here. You guys all right? Anybody sleepy? If not, I'll bring you up here and you can say something. Okay. Uh, two more things I've been thinking about when it comes with wisdom and faith together. First of all, I just want to say this. I am hoping that this message does not squash faith. Instead, I'm hoping that this message substantiates your faith, puts strength and something solid underneath it so that it's not operating literally like on air. It was never meant to be that way. And that's why I feel like sometimes when we think of faith, 
we just almost just think of, well, I'm just going to jump, and I hope someone catches me. Anybody? Yeah, that's not faith. Like the classic, I, I've, and I've heard preachers use this example all the time. They've even put it up on the screens. Indiana Jones. Anybody remember that? And he's looking at this gulf, and he's like, I don't see any way across this, but in order to get what I know we're going after, I have to take a step. And as soon as he takes a step, he realizes that the bridge exactly matches the wall of the other side of the... It's a really cool scene. If you haven't seen it before, it's really powerful. You can probably YouTube it and see it. It's really cool. Now, I'm not so sure if that's a great definition of faith. I think that's a definition of a risk. Even though on the other side, you guys can probably paint this whole picture, and I've heard preachers do it, on the other side of the prize, if I just do this, but on the inside of us is the prize already. And there's, I feel like there's a difference between taking a risk and faith. Faith is I know what's in here. That's the assurance. What's on the inside of me was given to me by a really good father who loves me. And that means if I walk out this thing on the inside of me, I know my good father is with me. That's faith. Hello? So instead of him catching me because I jumped, he takes my steps with me. Okay? That's the wisdom that's walking alongside of us. So for me, like when I think about a risk, I think of a sacrifice for something that doesn't exist yet. In other words, it's like a hope. It's a good hope. Have anybody ever taken a risk before? Wave at me if you've taken a risk. Okay, a risk is you sacrifice in hope that something will take place. Okay? Like I'm taking a risk. Uh, I could lose a lot. Risk has a lot to do with sacrifice. Okay? I don't see faith that way, even though faith will require sacrifice at times. For me, risk is a sacrifice for something that doesn't exist yet or you're hoping it's going to happen. For me, a step of faith is an investment in an already unseen but a real quantity. For me, the difference is faith is on something that already exists in you. But we are so reliant upon outside confirmation. We as human beings want everything outside of us to tell us yes before we take a step. Faith says the only thing you need is me in you and your decision to believe me. That's faith. A risk is oftentimes because someone else took a risk and it worked for them. Let me see if I can do it too. And I believe that's just the copy that leads to something not good. A risk can only partner with experience. Back to that thing about experience versus wisdom. I want to say this. A step of faith must partner with wisdom because it works with assurance and conviction. It's inside of me. But a risk can only partner with experience. And oftentimes a risk partners with someone else's experience, which leads to a copy of what already exists. You guys okay? Last thing I want to talk about here. The reason why wisdom and faith must work together so beautifully I want, you to, I want you to sit with me in this one for a little bit because I think this is a growing revelation for all of us. Remember how I talked about people, the most prophetic people, this is Mark's opinion, the most prophetic people on the earth are those already living where one day all of us will live. You guys with me? Again, you don't have to believe that, but that's how I see true prophetic life is people that have just decided, you know what? I believe God so much in what he's doing in me that I'm going to go ahead and start living that life now. 
And in future generations, we'll be able to look back and say, that person started living that way 50 years ago, and now it's normal for all of us. Yeah. Right? We can probably look back in history and point out to those, point out those people. You know when faith's at work in your life and wisdom's involved, when you are making decisions now based upon who you will be, not who you are. So I want to talk about that a little bit. If the decisions you're making right now are based upon who you will be, you're living by faith. If the decisions and what you're giving your life to are based upon who you are, then it's not faith. So let that sit for a little bit. Wisdom and faith are building now for the person or not only the person we will be, but also the person others will be. Like one of the greatest ways for generational wealth to take place and I'm not just talking finances, I'm talking spiritual wealth, I'm talking emotional health that leads to generational transfer, is deciding that I'm going to do the hard work now so that my kids literally start where I stopped. Not my kids have to back up and redo things because I chose to live just based on other realities around me. I hope you're hearing this, because this is... This is in my opinion, this is a really practical way to know if I'm walking by faith or not. So just, if you can just take a moment, just think about some of the decisions that you're currently pondering or some of the investments you're currently making or even like where you're putting your money. What are you doing with your money? What are you doing with your skills? What are you doing with the time that you have? Oh, there's a good one. Think about what you're doing with your money, with your time, with your energy. Is it investing in who you or your children will be? Oh, you okay? All right. Or are your time, energy, and resources being spent on what you currently are? Faith is deciding, I see what the country in the future looks like. Remember from Hebrews? I see a country. I see something that doesn't exist yet, and I'm making decisions now that will one day make that person's home. I'm letting that sit. I want to make this practical because if faith doesn't become practical, it just becomes another message that you guys just file away. Oh, yeah, that was a really good series on faith. Uh, what was it about? Uh, it was this. But I, it has to change your life. That's why I started out with I care about you. I care about you enough that you consider every resource you have. And what is it going to? Is it going to a copy of what already exists? Or is it going to something that will one day build a big house, spiritually, emotionally, physically, financially, for generations to come, including future you? Faith with wisdom decide now I will take steps now that create a rock and a foundational security for that person in the future. That's faith. When I look at the Abrams and I look at the Moses and all of these incredible people from Hebrews 11 into Hebrews 12, <clears throat> they are watching that great cloud of witnesses. They're watching to see if you 
are doing well with what they died in. Someday, someone else will be carrying what you started. And let me ask you, think about that future. Let's, let's think 50, 75 years into the future, whatever it is. Who's going to be carrying your seed? Picture them. It doesn't have to just be natural children. It could be those you're impacting right now. It could be uh, younger people in your life who you uh, are giving your life to or are looking up to you. And here's the crazy thing. Some of you can't see somebody. Get somebody. And then the next question I want to ask is what seed will they carry? That's your faith. Jesus, I ask for wisdom to apply to this faith that they would walk hand in hand, married to each other. Father, it is not wisdom for us to keep investing in like, I don't know what the word is, but like a recycled version of current reality. Like, Jesus, that's not good enough for your sons and daughters. For some of us, like when we talk about faith, we talked about like the ongoing dialogue or the most dynamic or impacting experience of our life. For some of us, it's still like that old thing that happened a couple years ago that I still can't push through. Lord, give us the faith and wisdom to walk past that into a greater version of who we were created to be. This is a room filled with Christ in us, the hope of glory. It, it, it's, it's, it's mustard seed size. And it's so small that it's overlooked because of the loud voices of what already exists outside. God, I pray that wisdom would quiet the noise that we would know what's hoped for, what's not yet seen, that you've placed on the inside of us. And I just see you like in Genesis, like you're, like you're brooding over you in us. I know that's weird. It sounds almost schizophrenic. But it's like you're brooding over us and you're like, light, light. Like you want to speak light. You want to speak energy. You want to speak faith. You want to speak wisdom into us that we would not live by the noise and the stuff that's already around us, that already exists around us. God, I ask that the Christ in us would be invigorated. That like those heroes of faith, that we would have a vision of a country that doesn't exist yet. And that nothing else would satisfy us except laying the foundation for that country to exist. That city. 
I bless parents. I bless spiritual parents. I bless grandparents in this room today who have seed of faith on the inside of them, have assurance of things hoped for, evidence of things not seen. God, may we walk in the assurance and conviction of these things you've put on the inside of us. And with each step we take, Lord, we ask for the wisdom to walk in it. So while we're in this place, I ask that you would just pause with the Lord, your good Father, and ask him, What's in here? Why, why did you speak me into existence? Why am I here? What is this thing you put me here for? Is it just pay the bills, make sure food's on the table, make sure I'm warm in the winter? Like it, it's got to be more than that, Lord, because something else is stirring on the inside of me. Help me to see what the something else is. Ask him. Because it will make you alive. It will give you incredible energy and purpose. It's why you breathe. And it was put there by a good father. This is your inheritance not some prize at the end of your life. I am telling you, the inheritance your father has given you is inside of you. And it's there right now. And it will not only provide for you, but it will provide for many. And I speak a blessing over your hope. I speak a blessing over the Christ in you. I speak blessing and abundance over the dream and the vision and the purpose on the inside of you yet to be revealed. And I bless you with a confidence and a boldness to believe it was put there by your good father. Finally, I bless you with the wisdom to know what to do with each step. Your future is so bright. The pain of yesterday and the healing of today is for the future hope set before you. I bless you to be a prophetic people who are unashamed to live according to your hope now. I bless you to believe that this was put in you by God and you can walk in it now. And one day, your children and your children's children will walk in it and they will say thank you because you didn't live normal. You didn't just recreate a copy of what others had already done. You were a mother or father of faith. 
and your children shall rise up and call you blessed. So may you hear the voices of the future generations now. May you hear them saying to you, don't give up. Don't sit back on the couch and say, I've done enough. Please, I, I need you to take that step. I need you to believe God so that I can believe God for the things inside of me. I hear the children. I, I know that sounds overly dramatic, but I do. I hear them. I hear them saying, you take that step so that I then can take mine. I was not destined to take your step, Mom. I'm destined to take mine. You take yours, I'll take mine. God, bathe all of these visions and dreams and wisdom, the foundational, forward, and forever mind of God, be bathing all of these sparks of faith. It's the best security your faith will ever have, and it's the only one it needs. Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you all. I love you. World Harvest Outreach is located in Chambersburg, Pennsylvania, but we have family around the world. To connect with us, visit us at whocenterpa.com.